My next guest is a pro football Hall of Famer, a college football Hall of Famer, a Bears legend, a Pittsburgh Panthers legend, and as well as uh, Super Bowl champion. Want to welcome on Mr. Jimbo Covert. Jim, is everything going for you? Hey, Zach. How are you doing? Glad to be with you tonight. I'm good. I'm good. So we know he was talking about it. Kenny Pickett's having an incredible season. They just announced the Heisman finalists. I know it's Bryce Young, Aiden Hutchinson, him and CJ Stroud. You, you said you think he's got a shot? I think he does. I think he does. I think the Heisman Trophy is supposed to be for the best player in college football. And I mean, in my opinion, I mean, if you look at the quarterback position, I don't think I've seen anybody this year that's played the quarterback position as well as Kenny Pickett. Um, and, you know, this team has, uh, you know, if you look at Alabama, they got a lot of four and five star guys, you know, uh, at Pitt, Pat Narduzzi has developed a lot of two and three star guys. So the supporting cast has really matured along with Kenny and have really played very well together. Um, but when you look at the greatest uh, college football player that's supposed to be for the year, I think I didn't see anybody playing better than he did. Did you did you ever see this? Did you like this this output that he had this season? Did you ever see this coming? Because his first three years, you would you would be blown away if you you, just, you checked it out. You know what? I, I saw a little bit his freshman year, just his tenacity, and um, you know when he came in the Miami game, I think they were number two, and he beat them and had two nice runs and threw the ball very well. And you know I I, I could see the maturity every year getting better and better and better. And I think you know he's worked very well with Mark Whipple and he's done some good things there. Um, and uh, the maturity has just continued to evolve. And then you're seeing that finished product right here. I mean, in my opinion, he, he's NFL ready. I mean, I, I like his arm strength. Um, I like his mobility in the pocket. He's patient. He reads defenses. Um, he gets it now, you know, and I think that extra year has really helped him. No, yeah, it's incredible. And that the, the fake, the fake slide the other day was unbelievable. You ever seen that before? <laughs> yeah, no, I never saw that. And you know what? I think really what happened, and everyone's calling it, you know, like he shouldn't have done this or should have been flagged right there. You know, I think what happened was he was running down the field and he had so much cushion on either side. The safety was back there, 45. The other guy was coming back there, and they weren't closing very fast. You know, and when you looked at it on film, you sat there and he just kind of made that little move like he was going to fake slide. And and it just kind of opened up on the side. He took off and ran it into the corner of the end zone. So um, I think they're probably going to end up making a rule about that, that you can't do that. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens there. But uh, it was a genius move. I never saw anything like that before, uh, right? No, it so. was incredible. No, that, that whole first quarter was just back and forth and back and forth. And then again, towards the end, they just sort of took over. The, the receiver, that I've, I've never heard the receiver, but apparently he's up for the Blitnikoff Award. Yeah, Jordan Addison, he's playing very, very well. And um, he's only a sophomore and boy, he runs great routes. Uh, he gets open. He just gets open. You know, he just gets, you know, he knows how to run routes and gets open and has great field awareness and has great hands. So, you know, they've connected a lot on a lot of touchdown passes, but Kenny spread it around too. You know, he likes to tight end. We have two really good ones, a true freshman, uh, Bartholomew and, and as well. And, um, and he spreads it around to the other guys, Jared Wayne and some other guys. So, I mean, it's been a fun year to watch. Did I say this is the best season they've had since you were there? Yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah. It's been a long time. So, uh, you know, I, that's why I'm so proud of these kids. You know, they, they, they lost to Western Michigan. They lost to Miami. They should have won both games. Uh, they lost 44, 40 Western Michigan. I think they lost 38, 34 to Miami. Um, and it's unfortunate uh, that that happened, but you know, they, they just took it back on themselves and said, we're going to have a great season. And they, you know, stuck with their brothers and depended on each other and they got it done. I'm really proud of them. Are you used to the two gloves yet? Or is it still weird to you? 
Uh, you know what? I don't care how he does, gets it done. Jim McMahon used to wear two gloves all the time. Oh, really? And, you know, oh, yeah. The last part of the season when it was cold and the, you know, ball would get a little wet, he wear those, you know, those uh, those sticky gloves. And then he just kept wearing them all the way through the playoffs. And we got to the Super Bowl in New Orleans and he wore the two gloves, too. So, you know, I don't have a problem with that. Does Kenny remind you of anybody, the quarterbacks who you played with or played against, you've seen since? Anybody kind of jump out? Mm, that's a great question. You know, not really. You know, I, I just think his arm strength is really, you know, underappreciated. He has great mobility in the pocket. And I think this thing you're seeing now is just the way he's reading defenses. You know, that 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 is, that you know, that, that's a learned thing. But you have to have, if we're quarterbacks, you have to have a little bit of anticipation. You know, and you could see a lot of good quarterbacks that have great arms and do it, but they just can't wait for that guy to clear. Right. And they got to throw it to a spot and let the receiver make a play. And a lot of quarterbacks just got to wait till they see him clear and then they throw it. You know what I mean? So anticipation is a big thing in quarterbacks. And I I see that in him. And, you know, he's I think he's going to have a hell of an NFL career. You think he could be the successor to Big Ben? Who knows? You know, I mean, I don't know what the Steelers are going to do. They historically have never drafted pit players. Uh, they had plenty of chances to draft pit players in the 80s. They never did, uh, even in the 90s and 2000s. So, you know, who knows where they're going to go with that? I mean, I don't think they could go wrong with him. I mean, he's he's a great kid. I think he'd be an asset to the franchise and continue to play in the city of Pittsburgh would be great. Where does Pickett rank in terms of the best pit players of all time with you, Dan Marino? Um, uh, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Darrell Revis, Aaron Donald, and uh, Tony Dorsett. Oh, he's in there. You know, he's in there with the season he's had, you know. Um, and he's definitely needs to be considered for a top 10, top 10 uh, pit player of all time because just what he's put together this year. And he's a leader, you know, and kids follow him and, you know, they want to be part of that. And that's an important thing for a quarterback. And I saw it in the quarterbacks I played with and I was fortunate enough to. So, you know, he's got that. And then when you got that, you know, whatever it is, you know, he's got it. So, I mean, it's going to be a good, he'll have a good NFL career. Now I ask you about your bears, obviously the season's not really going as well, but if you look at it, if I thought of a way you can think you can spin it in a positive light. They beat the lions, the lions beat the Vikings, <laughs> yeah. the Vikings beat the yeah. Packers. So technically Chicago's first in the division. Yeah. 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 I've heard that math before. It doesn't really work out on the field very well. Um, you know what? I just think this whole year was just you know, difficult. You know, they had injuries along the offensive line. They had injuries to defensive players, you know, uh, Justin Fields, who I really like a lot, um, you know, got mashed up a little bit. Um, and unfortunately he hasn't had a chance to kind of get into a groove because, you know, he's out there for a couple games and he's back out for a couple games. And I really can't blame him because he's taking some shots. I mean, and, you know, he's getting his ass handed to him out there a couple of times. So, I mean, he's gonna, he, you know, that's a tough thing. So, um, and, uh, yeah, I, I just feel like it's been a difficult year for everybody involved there. So, you know, we'll see what happens at the end of the year. Is there any chance he plays against green Bay? I think you guys are on Sunday night um you know what i don't know um you know who who knows if he does or not um i'd like to see him continue to play because anytime you can get that game experience in big situations like that you know there's nothing like it nothing like it so i mean you want to see him be able to play in that um you know i, I guess they got their the uh, offensive tackle tevin jenkins is going to back up i saw he's bit, healthy you know I saw he's healthy. yeah I, I just wish he would just stay out you know i just i just feel like those back injuries you know i had one 
it crippled me at the end of my career. And, you know, you just, it's just difficult, not my call, obviously, but everybody says, well, he's healthy, he's healthy, but and they've never had back surgery before. Yeah. I've had two of them. So you're never the same. You want to get back to be a hundred percent. You don't want to go out there at, you know, 70, 80% and feel like you're protecting yourself. And then you get hurt. You know, it's just yeah. a bad thing. Do you think that might be a new coaching regime next year? Or do you think they'll stick around Nagy? Oh, geez. I, I, you know, I can't tell you that. I don't think anybody can predict that. I know the bears, you know, have never fired a, a coach during the season. So I don't, I think we're going to have to wait till the end of the season to see that. Um, and, um, you know, I know there's a lot of guys who are loyal in the locker room than Matt Nagy. So uh, it's, it's hard to predict with the Bears. It's just really hard to predict how the front office is going to react on that. What was your reaction to the story a couple of months ago that they might be moving away from Soldier Field? <clears throat> um, you know what? I understand that the issue that they have with the city, you know, the city of Chicago owns Soldier Field. Um, you know, they get ticket revenue and skybox revenue and all that, but, you know, soldier, you know, city of Chicago gets, you know, percentage of the concessions, percentage of the parking. So it's not their stadium. So from a financial perspective, they'd like to have their own place. I'm sure have more control, but playing on that lakefront at soldier field and city of Chicago right there, there's just something about it and the history that's there. Um, and so I'd like to see them stay there, but, you know, I, I don't think, I think if they don't get what they want from a financial arrangement, they're probably going to end up going to Arlington Heights. And there's, you know, a lot of parking out there, a lot of, a lot of good stuff that people complain about going to Soldier yeah. Field, you know, so. Is, is trying to get into the games. It's a, I've never, I've never been to a game that the, the games at Soldier Field, are they hard to get in and out of in terms of like transportation wise? Yeah, with Lakeshore Drive and on the other side towards the lake, it's difficult, right? So you just, you know, you, you, you're trying to get in and you get the museum there. You know, I mean, it's just everything kind of funnels into one. So it's kind of difficult um, to get in and out of there. And the parking is kind of a, you know, kind of a pain. So, yeah. Um, yeah uh, so I think that's probably some of the issues they have. You get that big area out there where you can have massive amount of parking lots, right? And I think that that's going to be a big selling point to a lot of fans. Well, that's what they did in Washington with FedEx. And now people are like, the best thing about it is the parking lot because nothing else good over right. there. Yeah, right. No, it's, right. It's, it's a nightmare. Right. Um, and then uh, did you catch that uh, the game last night? This. 1410 stanker with yeah i watched it i watched it yeah um i was really interested to see the end you know uh with um the clock management how they were trying to get it down to the last second it was pretty interesting to see belichick then he ran seconds off they put seconds back on uh pretty interesting um but uh yeah you know i expect a little bit more scoring in that game i think everybody did especially with um buffalo's offense you know um and the way they've been scoring but uh just wasn't happening. I mean, uh, New England put together a great game plan. Yeah. Did you ever have any games like in freezing cold or windy temperatures where you guys just weren't throwing at all and just, just using Walter the whole time? Oh, yeah. We played one time at Soldier Field in 83. Uh, we had, if we beat the Packers last game of the year, we knocked them out of the playoffs. We finished eight and eight. Um, and uh and we did uh but the high for the day the high for the day i think at that time they were just started keeping like wind chills and stuff so the high for the day was like five degrees you know and so the wind chill was i don't know like 25 30 below zero you know so you went out to um uh to uh, warm up and you just could not get warm you could not get warm you're running as fast as you can you know it hurt in your lungs when you were breathing um and you know now they got all this space suit crap you know i mean they got all this beautiful long underwear and all this thermals and everything you know we had like look like you were going hunting you know the stuff that was 
drooping down in your pants and you know and we and the benches they have we just had like uh jet engine flamethrowers that you would go near and you'd burn your turf shoe or your sock off <laughs> um and then uh, i remember uh we came in the um in the locker room pregame and all the coaches are in snow suits their faces are all red they got vaseline all over and everything like that and guys are sitting at lockers drinking coffee and hot chocolate and stuff and uh you know uh coach dick is giving us a uh pep talk and he's like oh no, let's go out there and get him and i don't think anybody moved and 45 guys were just sitting there like this <laughs> didn't want to go back out there uh, that was a cold one are you surprised the stadiums now with all all these all these beautiful brand new stadiums are not all going to be retractable so they don't have to worry about weather? Like the I roofs? think they should be. I think they should be. I mean, field turf is the way to go. I never played on it. I only played on straight up AstroTurf, old parking lot asphalt with about this much uh, foam rubber and, and AstroTurf. Um, I mean, so I never played on anything like that. Um we actually played in Seattle early in the year when it was a baseball stadium and they took the pitcher's mound out and they put a, like some plywood over the pitcher's mound with, with turf over it. And he went out for warmups. So he hit that thing. Went boom, 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 boom. <laughs> so we played in some, you know, crazy places, especially early in the year when they were baseball stadiums still, yeah. you know, like Cleveland and Houston and that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, I, I think you put field turf in all these places. It's great to play on. Um, and you put retractable domes because it just makes all the sense in the world, you know, to keep yeah. the weather out. And then any city can get a Super Bowl because now it's only really absolutely. Warm. Yeah. So I don't, absolutely. I don't it doesn't really make any sense why they wouldn't do it. I know I think the new one in LA is sort of kind of it's, it's kind of retractable, but it's weird kind of design. No, it's 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 wild. Um I want to ask you, uh, how, how did you you I saw you always wanted to play for Pitt? You know what? I, I grew up a when I grew up, I was uh, a big Penn State fan, you know, because Pitt was horrible. Um, and uh, you know, and then in 1976, well, 1973, I should say that all changed when Tony Dorsett went there as a freshman, and then they started winning a lot of games, and then he won a national championship in 76. So that changed everything. And then Pitt recruited me really, really heavily. And um, you know, my dad just told me. You know, you could go three places. He said, Pitt, Penn State, or Notre Dame. That's it. He did. He said, you can visit anywhere you want, but those are the three places because he just wanted to come and see me play. You know, and uh, and I owed that to him and my mom because of what they meant to me and what you know all the sacrifices they made for my our family. And so I I chose Pitt, and you know I'm glad I'm glad I did. Do you remember the first time you met Dan Marino? Yeah, I think I'm a year ahead of him. And then I ended up getting redshirted in 79. And then we became, you know, the same class. Um, yeah, camp in 79, I think. Um, and you could just tell right off, you know, uh, cocky, um, confident, um, and, um, you know, just an incredible athlete. And, you know, in the old days, no one even realizes that he used to be able to run a little bit too, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, I think he ran a 4640. And, you know, punted on for Central Catholic. So he was a heck of an athlete. I mean, he got drafted in the third or fourth round by the Royals for baseball. I mean, he was a great baseball player as well. So, you know, he came in there and had a lot of confidence. And we had a pretty good quarterback there, Rick Tricano. Um, but it was just a matter of time. And then Dan, you know, took over the quarterback position and did a tremendous job. And then, you know, uh, in 80, when Danny got hurt, Rick came back in and uh, we ran the table. And, uh and should have won the national championship, but we got a bad bull bed, you know, um, in those days, 
you know, the, uh, you know, how the bull bids come out now, yeah. they didn't come out till they came out before the season. And the, oh, really? Yeah. They didn't have conference champion. They had conference championship games, but we were independent. So um, in those days, so we always played Penn state the last game of the year and we lost to Florida state early in the year. And then we ran the table. And so, um, you know, people were concerned that if we got beat by Penn state, it was like a seventh, eighth ranked team. Then you'd have a two loss team going to the sugar bowl right, to play Georgia, and so they gave it to Notre Dame. Uh, Georgia beat uh, uh, Notre Dame, and we got a Gator Bowl bid, played South Carolina when Georgia Rogers won the Heisman, and we beat the heck, we beat the heck out of them and finished number two. So, um, you know, Danny always said that we could have played, you know, Georgia at 12 o'clock and Notre Dame at 6 o'clock and beat them both on the same day. So um, we had a pretty good football team then. And then fast forward to the draft, were you shocked how long it take it took him to be selected? Yeah, yeah, I was because I played, you know, I played with him for four years and I, I saw what he did. And then the crazy thing about it was, you know, just these crazy rumors that people were starting with, you know, the drug abuse and everything. Like, was my I roommate. forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. As my that was my roommate, and um, you know, and I actually had a, I actually had a general manager of an NFL team call me, call me and ask me if I was a drug addict too. Um, and they were thinking about drafting me. So this rumors just went, went crazy, right? Where did that come, did, where did it, that come from? It just, just out of thin know, air? Just out of thin air. And people don't, it's not, we were college kids. We had fun, but, you know, we weren't drug addicts. I no. mean, we, we, we had some fun in college and drank some beer and had fun. Yeah. But, um, and then people don't really know that, that Dan, Danny was my roommate that, that you know, that whole year. And, um, I mean, he, he heard the rumors and felt, awful bottom and didn't know where they start. So he, he actually got drug tested every week, um, that whole entire season, uh, in, at, uh, at Pitt and they still didn't draft him till the 27. <laughs> and then he ended up, then he ended up being MVP of the sugar or the senior bowl and MVP of the hula bowl. And they still didn't draft him till the 27th pick. So that just tells you what the geniuses you had in some of these player personnel departments that felt like they could outsmart everybody. And once a rumor starts, you know, it's like draft day, that movie draft day, once they start mm-hmm. a rumor on something, no one knows what it is, but no yeah. one, you know, no one wants to pick them. It's like radioactive, but you know what? The best thing that ever happened, he went to Miami because he played for Don Shula. You know, he got to learn from Don Strzok. You know, he, he, he played, started on a good football team, not a bad football team. Um, and that's the best thing that ever happened to him. So it all worked out. And how did you, how did you find out you're going to uh, the bears? Were you, did they call you right beforehand or was it a shock to you? I was a shock. I mean, I, th- I thought I was going to get drafted by, um, the, uh, Houston Oilers told me they were going to draft me. I think they were seventh or eighth. They ended up drafting Bruce Matthews after me. Um, and then, uh, uh, Bill Parcells, first year coach of the Giants, said they were going to draft me. I think they were drafting 10th or 11th, something like that. Kansas City said they were going to draft me. I think they were seventh. They ended up drafting Todd Blackledge. And once and once uh, Chris Hinton went to Denver and then they flipped with Baltimore, you know, I was the next lineman drafted. So uh, I went in the sixth pick and never even heard from Chicago, never talked to him or anything. So um, it was kind of a crazy story because my brother – was calling a bunch of guys from the, we didn't have cable television, you know, oh, really? black and white television. Yeah. We didn't have cable where I grew up, you know, in the Conway and uh, we had a black and white television. So, you know, we didn't hear a draft on, we had a little party there and everything. And we were just waiting for the phone call to come. And, and my brother was on the phone, you know, inviting some of his friends from the mill to come over. And, uh, 
and I got drafted in the sixth pick. And so my agent calls me in like the, you know, ninth pick. He goes, what the heck's going on over there? And I go, what do you mean? He goes, you got drafted like three picks ago and the bears have been trying to get a hold of you for the last 45 minutes. <laughs> I said, that's great. So it's a great draft story to tell. Now they get, now they go to New York and got the suits on. They go to the, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. Crazy. Did, they, did you fly right out there right immediately or did it? Yeah, I flew out right. Yeah, I flew out there uh, right away and spent the day in Chicago doing all the interviews and everything like that. And I remember meeting Mike Dick and he just said to me, hey, kid, I got a I got a position for you. It's left tackle. It's yours. And he goes, you're going to do great. I mean, I didn't I started my first practice at minicamp in 1983. So I was there was no trying to, you know, um, win a spot. It was it's your spot. Yeah, and you better do something uh, to show them why you got drafted in the sixth player pick in a draft. And, you know, I had high expectations and I had to fulfill them. So did you ever see uh kicking and screaming when he was the movie he was in with Will Ferrell? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I thought he was fantastic. I think he got snubbed for some, some awards. <laughs> yeah. It's just kind of funny. I've seen a lot of that kicking and screaming over the years, uh, but uh, you know, not in the fun way. So, um, but, but I, but I, uh, I enjoy playing for him. I mean, the one thing about Mike Dicka, you know where you stood, you know, and I think that's the most important thing. A lot of guys tell you something, but they really don't yeah. mean it. And then then down the road, they cut you or something. And you're like, what, what, what just happened? You know, I mean, you know, if you're going to get cut with Mike Dicka, yeah. you know, what, so. what, what was your best uh, Ditka story from your career there? Oh, geez. Um, there's so many great Ditka stories. I mean, they're just hard to tell. Um, I think uh, one of my, one of mine is that, um, in you know in 83 when i first got there in 83 um you, and you you spent time with pro football focus right you, did yeah, all, I, you do all that stuff. yeah i work yeah i work for them now do social media and the sports betting side yeah so yeah you do that yeah so yeah so you know us you know that schemes and stuff like that yeah. so uh when i every offense i've ever been part of from the beginning of time since i was in you know eight eight years old it was always odd numbers on the left and even numbers on the right. That's how you number the holes. That's the way it's always been, always shall be, like cast in stone, right? When I got to the Bears, it was completely opposite of that. And the reason was, was Tom Landry was a defensive coach for the Giants, and he looked at it like a mirror. So it was even on the left and odd on the right for numbers of holes. I went the wrong way for like the first three, three weeks of camp, you know? hitting guys and everything like that. And, you know, it's just instinct, you know, you hear it. And so um, I, uh, you know, I had some struggles there at the beginning. I mean, I had no trouble with the technique. I had no trouble pass blocking anybody. No, it was just getting the scheme done, you know, because it was completely different from the time you were eight years old when you're conditioned, you know. Um, so we're playing Baltimore down there. It's like the third game of the year, fourth game of the year, something like that at Old Memorial Stadium. My family came down to see me play my aunt and uncle. All the stands are really close to there um and i missed a couple assignments right because of that scheme and then um and then i was you know mcmahon got hurt so they brought vince evans in they had a different cadence so he kind of pulled back and keith van horn and i just happened to be you know we didn't get even get out of our stance it's just my guy happened to get there first right just creamed him you know so i get off the silence first game i ever got pulled out of ever in my life, he pulled me out and sat me, benched me. And he called me every name in the book that I, the, the things that I've never even heard those kind of cuss words before, you know, up and down, around. And my family was like 10 rows up in the stands and heard every word of it, you know? So, so then 
then we lose the game, I think, in overtime where we lost it, like, the last minute or something. Can't remember. But it was bad. And so he cussed me all the way down the tunnel, right? Then he cussed me in the locker room in front of all my teammates. And then he – we had this great big trunk, athletic trunk. Uh, you know, he puts socks and jocks and sanitary shorts on us. And he goes over and he punches that um, – that locker as hard as he can, right? He comes back like this and he says, Vince, lead us in the Lord's Prayer. Doc, I got to see you. <laughs> he went over to the doctor and he broke his hand, right? <laughs> so so the next day he's got a cast on, right? So that Monday morning meeting with brutal like film session and everything. And then on Wednesday he came out. I was really disappointed because I didn't play well. But you know what? I It wasn't technique and it wasn't effort. It was just, you know, I think finally I kind of got away with it a little bit of just the scheme and, you know, maybe a lack of concentration or something. I was really upset by that. So he came up to me and challenged me and said, you know, you got to play better. You got to do this. We're expecting this from you. Your first round draft pick, blah, blah, blah. You got to do this. Meanwhile, first round draft pick starting a left tackle is like very rare now, you know? Um, And, um, and then that next game we played Denver and I got a game ball. So, and then I never looked back. And I just think being challenged like that uh, in front of your teammates, maybe is something that some people would maybe go in a shell and say, Hey, you know, uh, he's picking on me. He's mean to me. I need a safe space. I got to go over there and try to find, you know, a place to hide because my coach is yelling at me, but I just took it upon myself to prove him wrong and say, Hey, I'm going to show him what I can do. And I never looked back after that. And, you know, my, uh, you know, I think I played at a high level from the rest of that rookie year on and then just never looked back. I saw a story. Walter Payton gave you a shotgun. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he gave us uh, shotguns for when he won the um, rushing record in 84. And, uh, you know, all the guys were like, what do you think he's going to get us? You think he's going to get us Rolexes? You know, Dickerson got them rolling. What do you think he's going to get us? And I go, I don't care what he gets us. You know, get us what he's going to get us. If he gets us anything, I really don't care. And he came up with the shotgun idea because he knew like three of us were hunters. And um, he and it's so it's a beautiful shotgun that has has your number on it. And it says, um, thanks for leading the way. And has the yardage and everything. And the flip side, it says from your teammate, Walter Payton, 34. It's pretty cool. There's only five of them in the world. So um, that's pretty cool. I never knew he was a kind of like an outdoorsman. Oh, yeah. Yeah, big time. Big hunter, fisherman, bow hunter, shooter. Yeah, big time. So he's he's uh, he's he's just a remarkable person. You know, I was very lucky to get to know him a little bit better than some of the other guys because you know, Matt and I were roommates. But and they were Matt's executor of his will and all that. But it's 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 uh, he's he was he was he was a special person. Yeah. Um. I go to that 85 season. Did that make you a better left tackle going against that incredible defense in practice every single day? Oh, sure. Sure. You know, I had to play against Richard Dent every day in practice. I mean, back then, I think Richard Dent had the best first step of any defensive end in, in the NFL. And when you got to practice against that, um, you know, I mean, his records speak for so he has 140 some sacks or whatever it is, 130 sacks. Uh, pretty good. So when you have to play against that, um, that's great. But then you got Dan Hampton, one spot down. You got Steve McMichael, the other spot down. You know, we have Mike Hardenstein, Tyrone Keys, William Perry. I mean, we have some players now, you know. And so, you know, I think that did have made us 
that made us, uh, that hardened us for games, right? Because we knew that, you know, we weren't going to face anybody on Sunday then better than we were facing during the week. So I think that was really important and helped me in my development. I know that. What was it like, in, especially in a big city like Chicago, with that team just winning all the time? And because since then, really, they've never gotten back up to that pinnacle. What was it like when Chicago was winning? Oh, I mean, we were like rock stars. I mean, I couldn't imagine the days of social media and all that kind of stuff. And we, you know, offensive linemen had a, um, you know, a poster, the guys at radio shows. I mean, every other night there was an event. I mean, it was, it was crazy. Um, and um, because city of Chicago, I mean, if you're going to, if you're a winner, um, the best city in the world to play is in Chicago. I mean, people embrace you and they love the bears and, you know, the Bulls won six championships or whatever, but it's still a Bears town. It always will be a Bears town. And, um, you know, I, I, I still see that today. They're just craving for a winner. And if you get there, they're going to, they're really going to support you. I think they're extremely frustrated now, but you know, they, if they if you win, they'll support you. Are they still living off that 85 Super Bowl? You think they're hungry for the next one? Uh, you know what? I told the guys, you know, one time when someone asked me about it, I said, you know, I remember all I heard was about the 63 championship team from Coach Dick. Hey, 63 team, you know, he won the NFL championship, you know. Um, and he had his ring and did all that stuff. And, you know, um, I remember him one time in, in, in a game, or excuse me, in a in, um, meeting, he said, you want to stop hearing about 63 championship? Then win a damn title yourself. Right. And that's what we did. So if these guys want to stop hearing about the 85 bears, then they just go win a title themselves. And I hope they do. I'm there to support them. I want them to, I'm kind of tired of talking about the 85 bears too. So, I mean, I'd like to see those guys uh, win it, win a Super Bowl. and okay. yeah, yeah, it'd be great for the city of Chicago. Yeah. How cool was it to do that 30 for 30? Oh, great. It was great. Um, I thought Jason hired did a great job on it. Um, and, um, you know, Vince Vaughn did a great job narrating it. Um, I forgot he narrated. I don't even remember. Yeah, he did. Yeah. And I, okay. I think they did a nice job. I think they did a nice job. You know, um, I, I think from the one perspective on the offensive side, it was a little offensive light, but that was the story they were trying to tell. You know, they were trying to tell the whole Buddy Ryan, you know, relationship with his players and how important that was and those guys. And, um, and they had a special relationship. So that was part of the whole kind of thing. And I think they did a really nice job. Yeah, definitely. And I want to ask you, so you obviously got in the Hall of Fame um, earlier this summer, got pushed back a year because of COVID. How cool was that, even though they only gave you two minutes to talk? <laughs> yeah, I got eight, I think. But um, I thought, I, I, I don't know. I, I, try, I try not to watch a lot of those because over the years, I was getting a little bit frustrated when, you know, I didn't get a chance to, you know, even, even get past the, you know, first 25 or 75 or whatever the heck it was. So, um, and, but I was there when Dan Marino went in and, um, and that's when, um, you know, I think Steve Young and his dad and Danny and over there, but this, the speeches were extremely, extremely long. Presentations were really, really long. It was hot outside, you know, now they have it at night. And I think the next year they went to, you know, just taped um, introductions. And then I think they just kept evolving and just saying, you know, this is crazy if you're just going to keep having, you know, these 20 minute speeches and 30 minute speeches and people are just going to get disinterested. You know, I, I, you know, I've been in business for 30 years. I, 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 you know, I've done a lot of speaking to teams and people and companies and everything. And after 12, 15 minutes, people just don't listen anymore. Yeah. And, um, 
And so unless it's some kind of scientific talk or, you know, you have doctors up there talking about all that stuff, well, all those graphs and charts and all that stuff. And they're kind of, that's what they're interested in. That's different. But talking to people 15 to 20 minutes and now, you know, they got to eight minutes. I thought it was perfect. They're never going to go back. They're never going to go back. You don't think so? No, they're never going to let them go back. No, I think from now on, you're going to see eight to 10 minute speeches and they'll pull you off because I think it was just an enjoyable deal. I mean, if you think about it, they could have held the class of 2020 to, to eight minutes and let the class of. That's what I was thinking. The guys on Sunday, there's like five or six guys, but you guys, there's like yeah, 100, could, 152 people got in on Saturday. <laughs> yeah. I think there was, I think there was 12 living guys that got to speak or not 11 living guys got to speak. So they had five, they could have went back to the normal process yeah. and they didn't. So I don't think you're ever going to see that again. I think you're going to see eight minutes. And I thought it was great. I really did. I thought it was great. It, the problem is you didn't get, you, you, you can't, you know, you wanted to have some context. So I kept writing it and then they kept sending it in they kept, you know, cutting it back. And then I kept adding it back and then they kept cutting it back and then they wanted to time it. And then they said it was too high. So too, too long. So they really did a good job of, of scrutinizing what you're going to speak about, not the content, but how long it was. And I thought they, they did a really nice job. Did you like practice recording yourself? Like to make sure you were kind of hitting eight minutes. You weren't going over before. Yeah, I did. Yeah. You know what I did? I, um, I got one of those uh, teleprompter apps because you were on the teleprompter and I said, I got to do this. So I just kept doing it and then slower and faster and everything like that. And I probably did a cup, you know, 10 or 15 dry runs on it just to make sure I wasn't over and uh, yeah, it worked out. So how cool was it to kind of just like get in the gold jack and just kind of being around all these legends? becoming one. Oh, it was awesome. It was awesome. You know, it, it's hard to describe when, when all the times that you maybe thought you were close and it didn't happen. And, you know, I think what happened for me was well, I was very fortunate was that, you know, when Dan Pompey called me, he just told me that, Hey, the, the formats changed a little bit with the centennial class, because now you have people that just weren't writers voting and, you know, no, it's nothing against writers, but there are a lot of guys that were writing and never saw me play. You know, and what do you think? Baseball, do? baseball writers don't yeah. even want anybody to get in. So football, right. you, you get to right. pay attention. But if they never saw you play, plus you're an offensive lineman. Right. So yeah. what are they going to do? Dig out old film on you? I mean, so they weren't they didn't have any perspective there. And I and, you know, I only played eight years and was injured and I had to quit. And I think that had a lot to do with, you know, just, you know, the longevity of not getting in. But then when the when the format came, when you have Bill Belichick and John Madden and, you know, and um and guys like uh, Ert, where they, I think they had uh, a couple of personnel guys, Ron Wolf, and 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 then you had players like Ozzie Newsom, and then you had the writers like the senior committee guys, yeah. and and I think the player personnel guys were really important because you know they scouted guys, right? Yeah. They saw film, they watched it, they did all that stuff, um, and uh, I thought that was really important. And then when you saw that. Um, you know, I think it just brought a completely different perspective to the voting process where this is what a guy meant to his team. And, and this is how important he was to his team. And look at the look at the production that happened after he got there and look at the production that since after he left. And they, they looked at it completely different ways. And I think that that gave me an opportunity. And Dan Pompey called me and he says, hey, I, I think you might have a shot at this now because we're going to look at it completely different. And you're going to have guys that have seen you play. And I, that really worked. Did David Baker knock on your door? 
No, I was actually working. I was at the JP Morgan Healthcare Conference out in uh, in Seattle. Or he didn't come me, all the way. Uh, he's not required yeah, to go in all the way Los out Angeles. There? Yeah, no. he didn't come. Actually, it was San Francisco. So I was in San Francisco, and uh, and it uh, and so he called me at three, four thirty. I think it was four thirty in the morning. I got in the call. in the morning. Yeah, yeah. I got I left my phone on, and they just told you to leave your phone on. So I left my phone on, but I was up you know, because it was ah. on good morning football, yeah. like four o'clock. So I'm up and, uh, and I see this call and it's a California number. And I'm like, I can't be Canton, Ohio, but I'll answer it anyway. And it was uh, David Baker. So it was, uh, it was kind of a special moment. I think he's since moved on from the hall of fame. So for now on for guys coming in, are they going to find like another seven foot, 400 pound guy to scare the hell out of everybody? Yeah, no, that's incredible. That's, that's great. I think what they're going to do is, uh, I, I think what they should do is, you it's know, Shaq, Shaq could do it. Yeah. Well, you know what I think they're going to do? I think they're going to do have have your teammates or players from that team. I like and, that. You know what I mean? Um, go in. So, you know, if Devin Hester would get in, you know, like Richard Dent, me, Dan Hampton, someone like that might knock on the door. So I think those are the things that people I think are thinking about, which could be, a you know, not going to replace David Baker and what he's created there. But right. I think it uh, it'll be a good legacy to move on through. And then I just got one, uh, one last question for you. Are there any tackles in the game today that you think are locks to make it to Canton? Ooh. Um, yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I, I like Jason Peters when he first, you know, his, in his career in Philadelphia, I thought he had a, a, a really good undrafted there. Yeah. Undrafted, but I, I thought he had a really good career, made himself into a great player. Um, he's still playing, but you know, I mean, you just look, I mean, how many past thousands of passes he's done over the year, look at what he's able to just accomplish and do that. Um, the kid from Washington, what's his name? Trey, um, uh, he might not be there anymore. Trey, oh yeah. Uh, Trent, Trent Williams. Trent Williams. Yeah. 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 You know, they um, gave him up for a conditional third and now he's yeah. the best left tackle in football. So. Yeah. So I think he's, he's a good, I mean, there's just, there's just so many guys, you know, I mean, even guys that after I got done playing, you know, I mean, like Tony Baselli and, you know, he really deserves to be in the hall of fame. And, you know, there's just, there's just so many quality guys that have been out there and have played over the years. That's a tough position to play. I mean, everyone's like, well, just get that right tackle and move them over to left tackle. That's like being going from one planet to another planet. You know, that's not as easy as people think. Who do you think is the next one to get in Tony? I think so. I hope so. Well, I mean, I watched some play and, you know, really, really good. I, you know, I mean, there's so many great, players. I mean, Jonathan Ogden, I thought, I mean, I mean, what he did over his career was pretty special as well. So, you know, and Anthony Munoz, that's a guy I watched all the time. Um, and, uh, you know, tried to use, he had great footwork and, you know, I tried to really look, watch him and see what he did in his footwork and his hand placement, everything was just, spe you know, spectacular. So watching guys like that, I learned from a lot of guys like that. Gary Zimmerman learned a lot from him um, and the way he moved and how fluid he was. So, you know, I'm sure those guys are, you know, look at each other on film and take what they can from, you know, each other and, and get better. Definitely. Definitely. Um, well, appreciate you taking the time. Are you on social media? People can check you out or not really? No, no, I'm not on social media. Yeah. I try to avoid that like the plague. So um, all my kids are on social media. So that's why I avoid it. Like the plague. <laughs> I don't, I, I, it's just, it's just too many pit landmines in there, you know? So yeah, I, I would always be afraid if I was on social media and I was watching a game, 
And I just made a, I made a flipping comment about offensive line play and <laughs> how they're dropping their head and their zone blocking and no one's coming off the ball anymore. And everybody's stepping laterally rather than forward. Um, I'd probably get a lot of hate mail, you know, no, Twitter would probably love it. They'd probably love it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they know. might, they might, yeah. might not too. Yeah. Yeah. But definitely, but do appreciate you taking the time. I can't wait to see the Heisman presentation this week and hopefully Kenny gets in it. Hopefully either lands at Pittsburgh. So they don't have to start Haskins or Mason Rudolph next year or comes to DC. If Washington can get, get in the mix in that, uh, maybe. Well, it'd be great. Season. It'd be great. Cause I'd like to see him play for Ron Rivera and Ron yeah. Rivera's a great guy and really. Oh yeah. yeah I think, I about yeah. That. You, you played with him. Yeah. I think very highly of him and, um, uh, great teammate, great coach. Great player. Just happy that he's doing well there. And, you know, it'd be great to Kenny go there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it does mean a lot. So thank you. Yeah, you bet. 